Every church has the same mission, but how that mission is accomplished can and should be different. There are many ways to do what Jesus commissioned us to do, make disciples. At Vintage, we believe there are four things we can provide that when fully engaged will inspire you to live and love like Jesus. In this series, we will walk you through these four parts of our vision. Our deep belief is when you make the effort to get involved in all four, you are equipped to grow in your faith and be the disciple Jesus has called each of us to be. Let's go. Well, good morning, church. Um, and it's good to be. I like this out here, by the way. I just feel like I'm closer to you now. Um, I don't know if you know this or have noticed this, but when we're doing songs every single week, uh, the, the first slide as we go into a new song, up in the upper corner, it says like the title of the song and then the band or group or whatever that that, that song is attributed to. And we post a set list at the end. But did you notice in the second song that we did, it said Freedom by Vintage Worship. Uh, God is, is starting to birth some music in this place, and, and it's funny, I said in week one of this series, people always ask me, do y'all do hymns, and I always say, yes, we do, <laughs> because God did not stop inspiring people to write beautiful hymns for his glory a thousand years ago. He has been moving on the hearts of men and women to do that all throughout time, and it's cool that it's happening in here. That's awesome. And later this year... Um, it, just stay tuned because it, it's not just one song. God is brewing something in here and our team is working on it. So just pray for God to move on them and the anointing to do that because we believe God's going to do something really cool through this because we have the most a talented heart. I'm, these people are great. Yeah. Oh, okay, so um, I'm, I'm ready for summer to be over. I'm just going to be honest, kind of. Um, why? Because I'm back from vacation. We hadn't been on yours. I don't care. It's time for summer to be over. School to start, and let's get back in a rhythm and a routine. But today, um, I I'm taking my babies to summer camp for the week. Um, and so uh, it's going to be weird and awesome at times that they're not in the house. Um, but I always get a little nostalgic when I take Aiden and Leah to camp. We, we, we got a big group of kids headed to Victory Mountain this afternoon for fourth and fifth grade camp. But it's at that camp, Victory Mountain Camp, not far from where we're standing, that I gave my life to Jesus. And if you've been around Vintage, you've heard me tell that story. On the concrete steps of the, uh, the pool house there on that campus is where I sat and accepted Jesus. Just out there one evening by myself, accepted Jesus into my heart for the very first time. And I acknowledged him as my Savior. I grew up knowing about God. And you can know about God and not know God. Yeah. And so I sat on those steps and accepted Jesus, and so I'm excited about what God is going to do in their lives today. But I was thinking today, like, I would love to tell you that from that moment, I got up from those concrete steps, and I lived every moment on fire for Jesus. I was a model of consistency and maturity, and I got it right all the time. And from that day to this one, I've been the model Christian. I would like to tell you that, but I don't really want to lie in church, because that's not the case. There, the, a year, the next summer, the next year when I went to that camp, a year later, I still was trying to figure it out. And then five years after that, I was still trying to figure it out. Can anybody relate? That the moment you got saved, it all just wasn't figured out, and you spent the next day just living in glorious relationship with God and was kind to everybody and gave you all of your money to the poor, and it was awesome. <laughs> that even maybe 10 years later, you were still trying to figure it out. Or 20 years later, still trying to figure it out. 30 years later, still trying to figure it out. But I just had to be honest on my story. There came this moment for, for many years in my life 
I, I, I did the whole what I call spiritual roller coaster thing. Up and down and twists and turns. And like I, I was like on this weird ride with God where I would be hot one day and cold the next. I'd be all about Jesus in one environment and around one group of people and completely act like I didn't know him around another group of people. That I, I would love to tell you that, that I, I spent a majority of my life, but there were so many years, especially in the beginning of my Christian journey, that like I was just all over the place. And I was hot and I was cold and I was, I was faithful and I was unfaithful. I was disciplined and I was lazy. And I would, can anybody just feel like at times you feel like just this pinball and this spiritual thing just being bounced all over the place? And you start to wonder, are you ever going to get it right? Because there also came a point when, like, I was tired of doing that. And I, can I be honest with you? I felt like God was tired of me doing that. So it was this point where God was looking at me and like, Matt, like, all right, dude, like, either, either be for me or be against me. But stop doing this thing. Stop letting circumstances or emotion or, or, or situation or environment dictate whether or not you're all about me or whether you're not. Like, get off the roller coaster. And it came in that God began to just build that desire in me. Matt, get off the roller coaster. That whole revelation, you were, you were neither hot nor cold. I'd rather you've been one or the other. And God started moving something in my life. And, and, and number one, I realized that, like, okay, what I was longing for was not a perfection of behavior, but a persistence of pursuit. That, like, I was never going to get all the behavior right. I was never going to have it where I, my behavior was exactly all that I wanted it to be and thought it should be, but have this consistent pursuit of Jesus where the intention of my heart got to this place where I, that, that e e even though I didn't get it right sometimes, that I was going after him with everything that I had. And I didn't care who you were or who I was around or what was happening. Like, I was going after God. And, like, I think everybody has to come to that point. And what happened when I got to that point is, is God started teaching me some things. And what I realized is if I was going to grow up in my faith, I couldn't do it outside the body of Christ. Like, if I was going to get to that place of maturity where I stopped riding the spiritual roller coaster, I couldn't do it without the church. And as frustrated as I was or have been and as frustrated as you are or have been with the church, the reality is you still need it. That getting to this place of consistency in Christ cannot be achieved outside the body. It cannot be done outside of the body of Christ. And the more I realized, the more my passion became to make the body of Christ all that God intended it to be. Because there's some people in the room like, no, with my experience with the body of Christ, all it does is hurt my spiritual journey. Some people can relate to that. Come on. That the body of Christ was supposed to help you grow up in your faith, and all it made you want to do was abandon your faith. Because church folk are mean. But I just start, I started finding scriptures that reminded me, like, no, like when it's done right, the body of Christ is supposed to help us get to that place where we get to that spiritual consistency, where we start living for Jesus the way he's called. It's supposed to be an asset to our journey in Christ. And when it becomes the way Jesus designed it to be, that's exactly what happens. And if that is not what the body did for you, it was a poor representation of it. It was a poor representation of what Jesus meant it to be. And, and I dedicated my life to creating something that, that 
that would be a place, the body that Jesus had in mind when he created it, that would help people achieve consistency in him, to grow in him, to know him deeply, to live for him daily and not be the stumbling block to him, but the stepping stone in him and would be the support system and the, and the place where you could really get to know God and live for him the way that he's called you to live for him. And I've dedicated my life to doing that because I believe that's why God created the body. That the body's supposed to be that place that helps us grow. And I read passages like this in Ephesians 3, or excuse me, Ephesians 4, the one we've read throughout this entire series. Where Paul writes, so Christ himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, the pastors, and teachers. Like God appointed people to be leadership in this thing. They're not any better than anybody else, they just have a unique assignment. They're not called to any more level of Christ-likeness than anybody else, but they have a unique assignment from God within the body. You with me? Say amen. I told you week one, stop putting pastors on pedestals because the only thing people can do on pedestals is fall. And then Paul kind of gives us insight as to why Jesus appointed these people in these leadership positions, 12, verse 12, to equip his people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up. And that the pur purpose that these people are in these positions is not for their own selfish gain or anything else, but so that the body could be equipped and built up to be what the body is supposed to be. Verse 13, until we all reach unity in the faith and of the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. That like we do this together and we work together. Why? So we get to this point where we, we get all of Jesus we can get. The full measure of the fullness of Christ. That's why we're never going to be satisfied with you just dipping your toes in the water of faith. We're going to make you dive all the way in. Fullness of Christ. And see, the next verse is why. So then, verse 14, then we will no longer be infants tossed back and forth by the waves and blown here and there by every wind of teaching and by the cunning and craftiness of people and their deceitful scheming. That like when this happens, when the leadership of the church is being the leadership of the church the way Jesus intended it to be. And when the church body is functioning the way the church body is intended to function. And we all begin to experience all that God has for us. We can get to this place where we get off the roller coaster. Where it doesn't matter which way the wind of life is blowing. It doesn't matter what's going on in the circumstances of our lives. We don't allow those winds to push us out of faith. We get to this place where we actually can have this persistent pursuit of him because we've grown up and we're mature and we're looking to Jesus and we're following Jesus. And it doesn't matter what's happening in culture and it doesn't matter what's happening on the news and it doesn't matter the climate of your office and it doesn't matter what happens on social media that you actually consistently follow Jesus. I've been gone for two weeks and people get soft, Tony. I don't know what's going on. We stop allowing this thing. Do we get off the roller coaster? This up and down, hot and cold, all over the place kind of faith. And something powerful can happen. And instead, we speak the truth in love. We will grow to become in every respect the mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. That we'll grow into this mature body that the, that the world needs us to be. Because see, like... The world needs the body of Christ, but not in some of the forms we've seen it. See, maybe the reason why the body of Christ 
has not done its job is because the body of Christ for many years in so many places has not been healthy. And just like when you and I are unhealthy, our ability to help people when we're not healthy is really difficult. Come on. And maybe the problem is the church has not been healthy and the church has just been limping throughout time. Not being able to be two people and four people what it was supposed to be. And if we're going to be function as the body of Christ, then we have to be the healthy body of Christ from whom, from him, the whole body joined together and held together by every supporting ligament grows and builds itself up in love as each part does its work. That we function best of the body of Christ when we're all pursuing him together. And we can only be as healthy and functional as all of us are healthy and functional. And the problem with so many churches, the reason why they're not accomplishing the ministry of the body is because nine out of ten people in it aren't healthy. Emotionally, spiritually, physically. And so I dreamed of creating something that would never be perfect. But sought to achieve that, that we would be a body that can actually function as the body, that we would actually be a group of people that actually lived and loved like Jesus so that we can be his body in the way that he intended us to be. And that's why this church's mission is to inspire people to live and love like Jesus. Because when you live and love like Jesus and I live and love like Jesus and the people around you live and love like Jesus, then we can actually change the world. We'll never change the world because we showed up here. We change the world when collectively we, we can't represent Christ well if we don't reflect him well. And when we get to this place where we engage in the things that help us, and that's why everything that we do is to help us grow into the likeness of Jesus. And church, that's, that's not just our purpose. That's the, church, that's the purpose of every church. This, every church that claims allegiance to Christ and allegiance to his word, they all exist for the same reason. I don't care what the name is on the sign. I don't care what happens inside the building. That the reason why it exists is to inspire people to live in love like Jesus because Jesus made that very clear before he ever left this planet. But the cool thing about God was he left rooms for different expressions of this thing. And there's no right way to do it. There's no one way to do it. Because the way one church does it can reach people that the other church can't reach. I used to hear people talk about, oh, man, especially in the South, you can stand in the parking lot of one church and throw a rock and hit the other. And sometimes I want to. <laughs> As if, like, that's a bad thing. But there's beauty in that God has allowed us to have different expressions of church. Because, you know, you got family that are being reached for Jesus and growing in Jesus, and they go to another church that looks a lot different than ours, and that's okay. And when they start telling you that we're weird, just, okay, we are, it's okay. <laughs> but there's a way that God has called us to do this thing. And we're not saying it's the only way. We're not saying it's the best way, necessarily. <laughs> but this is vintage. This is who we are. And what we believe is there's four things that God has called us to provide to the body in order to help us grow into being the body. 
that there's four things that we believe if you engage in those four things, then you will grow in your faith, that you will step toward maturity in your relationship with Jesus, and you'll become who he created you to be. And, and there's four things, but if you don't engage in all four, you're, you're missing out. You're not, you're not growing the way. It's like your body's not getting all the vitamins it needs in order to be the healthy body that you need to have. And there's some people that say, oh, man, are you asking us to do, like, that seems like a lot. It's four. Four. Some of us grew up in churches, they wanted us to do, like, 44 things. And we wondered how we were going to do those 44 things and be a husband, be a wife, be a mom, be a dad, be a, and I don't have time. There's a reason why we boiled it down to these four things, because we think they reflect the heart of Jesus and his word. And we started off talking the first week, like we want to create an experience where people can gather under one roof and authentically worship God and hear the truth of his word. Because there's always been a call in God's word for his people to gather together. To come together from the different places of life and gather in one place and one place and worship God. From the Old Testament, some people think, oh, well, it's just Old Testament tabernacle, Old Testament temple. But notice how many times Jesus calls them all together on the mountainside to preach to the masses. He says, we got to come together to worship God. And it was never about the place. It was always about the person. He tore down the temple because he wanted to remind us that the place where we gathered wasn't significant. It's the person that we gathered around that would matter. But it's not just enough for us to gather corporately in this big place because you can hide in here. Our church has gotten to the level right now. It's so big. It's really easy for you just to kind of slip in. It's Sunday. I'm going to come in halfway through the, the service, and then I'm going to sit down, and I'm going to check my box, and then I'm going to leave because nobody needs to know how jacked up I really am. Because you can't see people in here, and that's why we provide an atmosphere where you can build relationships, where you can look across from just a handful of people, and they can see you, and you can see them, and you can be cared for and have the support and encouragement and accountability that you need to grow in your faith because you need people. You need people to grow. And Jesus modeled this to us. He talked to the crowds, but then there's a time in the scripture where Jesus goes and, and he chooses. He handpicks 12 of those disciples because he knows he needs to intentionally vet, invest in a smaller group. And we get flack all the time. How are we going to limit groups to 12 people? That seems kind of exclusive. Yeah. I can't imagine what it must have been like the day after Jesus chose the 12. People came to him like, why not make the cut, Jesus? You picked Judas over me? Really? But Jesus knew, like, the capacity of himself, and he was modeling something to us. It's why we do life groups in those smaller circles, because you can actually get the care and support and encouragement you need. And I know you think, oh, that's super scary, and it is. But here's what you'll find out when you get in that circle. Everybody around you has just as much baggage and junk in their life as you do. So they are not better than you. And it's okay to be vulnerable. Because you're going to say something that maybe you wish you didn't have to say. And maybe you wish people didn't know. And guess what? They got some stuff in their own closet. And together we begin to sift through it. But it's not just enough that we come together corporately in worship. And it's not just enough that we find these circles where we live in small groups. We also have to provide an opportunity for you to serve and I nicknamed Jasmine the dragon last week because she brought fire up in this room last Sunday. I love it when it gets uncomfortable in church at times. I had people say, like, what do you think people are going to do? People, if that sermon offended you, then you needed to hear it the most. Because you are never more like Jesus than when you are serving other people. 
You are never more like Jesus than when you are serving other people. And when we work together, the body of Christ can do amazing things, but there's one more piece that we think is valuable. That we also have to provide a platform that allows you to get outside the walls of the church, meet the needs of the community, and take the gospel to the world. See, there has to come a moment where we provide a platform that allows you and me to reach outside the walls of the church, meet the needs of the community, and take the gospel to the world. At some point, the church has to leave the building. Like, we have to get outside ourselves. We have to go into the world. And the church has a responsibility to give us a platform that allows us to get outside these walls and take the message of Jesus to the places it needs to be. We didn't come here just for us. The reality is, like, like if, if we gather but don't scatter, then we're not accomplishing what Jesus wants to accomplish. We are gathered and scattered. We are not smothered and covered. Waffle House theology. Some of y'all look at me like, you need to go to Waffle House if you don't understand what I just said. Today, lunch, go. We like the smothered and covered, though. We like to come together and stay here and be in our own little bubble not get out there and go. The first word in Jesus' great commission was go. You got to go. That means if we're going to reach the world, if people are going to be changed for Jesus' sake, then you got to go, which means actively you got to take a step outside of your comfort zone and into the places of the world. Jesus tried to make this very clear all throughout the disciples. Because see, it would have been really easy for the disciples to see they don't need to do outreach initiatives. It would have been really easy for the disciples because they thought Jesus was coming back right away. All right, dude, we're going to go. We're going to huddle in the house. The Holy Spirit going to fall. We're going to stay here until Jesus comes back. We're good. Get some snacks. Let's go. But even, even in what Jesus prayed for them in John 17, he was trying to help them to hear this. John 17, 15. My prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. Sanctify them by your truth. Your truth, your word is truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. That we have to live sent. That we have to go. That you and I have to go into places that are going to make a difference. And here's the problem with us as the church. The longer we're in it, the more we tend to just kind of stay in it and get stuck in it. I think I, I, in my, my experience in life, I've learned that people live in one of two ways, isolated or insulated. Either completely isolated. I don't want anything to do with the church. I don't want anything to do with people. I want to keep it at arm's length. They've hurt me. They've done this. I don't, I don't need it. I don't want it. I'm just going to stay away, which is unhealthy. Or we get insulated. We come to church, and next thing you know, our whole life is church people, and we build this little spiritual bubble around us, and don't you mess with it, don't you bust it. I've worked hard to make it this way, and we're going to keep everybody who thinks different than us, looks different than us, maybe acts different with us outside that bubble. We're just going to stay here insulated with my good Christian friends who look like me, talk like me, listen to Caleb like me, do all these things like me, (laughs) until Jesus comes back. I used to hear people talk, and almost I've heard people celebrate this. Well, all my family's Christian, and all my neighbors is Christian, and all my coworkers is Christian, and the lady that pumps gas, she's Christian, and I go to this one cash register at the Walmarts, Walmarts because she's a Christian lady, and so I'm only going to go to her checkout. As if that's a good thing. Here's the thing. If you don't have any relationships with people that don't know Jesus, how are you ever going to live on mission? 
How are you ever going to, if you don't have anybody to tell, how are you going to tell? And I understand some of it begins good because we come to Jesus in a really vulnerable place. And we've got to isolate ourselves from certain people or groups because we can't handle the temptation. And I get all that. But we get so insulated, people are dying going to hell. We've got to go. We've got to meet needs in the community. Because that's our job. Do you know that I believe that we are looking to so many other things and so many other groups to do for our world what God intended the church to do? It's not the government job to eliminate poverty. It's the job of God's people and his church. Can you just imagine what would happen if the church would really take ownership of eliminating poverty in our world and see it as our job and not start complaining about it and look to other places to be the organizations or the systems that do that? It is our job. It is our job to meet. You know who is responsible for hungry people in Randolph County? His church. Us. And we have a responsibility to take the gospel to the world. And Jesus said that one of the main reasons why we would have the Holy Spirit is to empower us to do this. Do you remember this? Acts chapter 1, verse 8. But you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes on you. And you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all Judea and Samaria and to the ends of the earth. You say, Matt, like, how are we going to ever have the resources and the courage to, to do this, to get outside of our comfort zone like this? That's one of the main reasons why Jesus gave us the Holy Spirit. He said, you'll receive power so that you will be my witnesses. That, like, that power should force us out knowing that we live in the authority and power of the Spirit in us. But I also think there's so much more to that verse than we often realize. He says, you'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Judea and Samaria and the ends of the earth. Like, I believe that deeply what Jesus was giving us was not just something random, but like this ministry and mission priority list. That first you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem. Then you will be my, my witnesses in Judea and Samaria. And then to the ends of the earth. And we've adopted that as a church to help us like, all right, how we focus on how we resource and prioritize our mission field is our Jerusalem, our Judea, Samaria, in our world. So our first priority to create platforms to minister is our community. That's why we do stuff like serve the city projects. Our first responsibility is the community that we're in right here, right now. And the reason why that was birthed in my heart is because I never could understand how churches could send thousands of dollars to a foreign world in another continent and not help their own people. We'll feed starving children in Africa and overlook the starving child two doors down from the church. Does that make sense to anybody else? That we cannot reach out to the world while reaching over our own community. That our, our first responsibility is right here. That's why we do Serve the City projects. That's why we partner with Run Five, Feed Five. That's why we do Thanksgiving meals every year. That's why we've gotten to the place where we've built relationships with the school systems. There's not a greater mission field in this entire country than the public school. Amen. And when Monica Handy, who's the guidance counselor at Randall Middle School, has a family in need, you know who she calls? She don't call the government. She calls Vintage Church because we come through. And we do what needs to be done.
But there's something else you need to hear. We can't reach over the community while reaching out to the world, and we can't reach out to the community while reaching over our own congregation. Because there are people that sit among you every weekend that are some of the most needy people in our entire community. There are, there are, there are single moms that you sit with every Sunday that haven't eaten for three days just so their kids could. And you know whose job is it to take care of those people? That's why we do things like the Dollar Club. Some of y'all, you hear the Dollar Club and you think, I'm going to give a dollar next Sunday and in a few weeks I'm getting a razor in the mail. I don't really understand what's happening with this thing. <laughs> is that like Dollar Shave Club? Or we start... But what we decided is there's so much... Guys, you don't understand. We, we budget money for benevolence every, every single year. We, we budget it and it goes quick. But there's more and more needs because people come to this church and so many times, and I'm so blessed we've created a culture that allows people to come into this place and be honest about their hurt, be transparent about their need because we can never meet a need that we don't know about. And so every other month we say, hey, just bring one extra dollar. And as you leave, throw that one dollar in the offering plate and every bit of those dollars will go to meet a need in our church. And now some people are like, well, how do, you, how do you decide? It's hard because we have lots of needs and we have to pick one. And we know that like, we can't meet them all. And some people might say, well, if you can't meet them all, then don't meet any of them. First of all, that's the craziest thing I've ever heard of in my life. We do for one what we wish we could do for many. And right now it's $800 to $1,200 and it helps us. to. But I dream of a day as this church continues to grow and it's going to. Where that Dollar Club Sunday is ten or fifteen or 20,000 people and we're no longer just meeting a need. We're radically changing people's life through the Dollar Club. But we can't just do that. We have to, we have to meet our, our Jerusalem, our community. Our, it's not an either or. It's a both and. It's not like we, we help each other. And, then, and see, that's what a lot of churches do. They'll help other people but won't help each other. Or they'll help other pe- each other but won't help other people. You can't make that trade. It's both. It's both. We have responsibility for both. But we also have to get out of this community. We have to reach our, our state and our nation. And we just think the best way for us to do that is through church planning. Because we think the best way to reach other cities across our state and our nation is for them to have churches like Vintage in them. If they can have a healthy body of Christ the way Randleman has, there's more communities like Randleman that need churches like Vintage. And so we do what we can to ensure that happens. And so we've helped plant churches all over the state of North Carolina since our, in our existence, giving money that we didn't have to give, but we just believed deeply that God was going to use it. We knew the best way for Newburn, North Carolina to have its meads net by the body of Christ is for Newburn, North Carolina to have a body of Christ. So we helped plant Union Point Church. We believe that Wilmington, for it to have all that it needs in the body of Christ, meet that is for us to help plant a church in Wilmington, which is why we partnered with Crosswinds Church in Leland area. And last fall, when that big hurricane came through and they experienced all this damage and those communities needed the body of Christ more than ever, you know what we did? We took a whole weekend's offering and empowered them and equipped them to minister to the needs in their family. And in a few weeks... Matt and Deborah Rhodes are going to be here planting a church in Greenville, South Carolina. You've heard Matt ple- preach from this platform about a year ago, one of the best messages on forgiveness you've ever heard. Matt was born out of rape. And God, he has a 
incredible testimony and story of how God's using him. And he is about to start a church in Greenville, South Carolina, that is going to do amazing things. And we're going to come alongside him, and we're going to be an extension there. And because of that, you know how many thousands of people are being reached for Jesus? Not because we could go there, but because we could partner and help it make it happen. But we also believe that, like, we got to get out to our world. And we've just kind of always had this philosophy that we'd rather maximize impact instead of spreading our resources over tons of great organizations all across the world and all kinds of countries that need our help. We believe if we could focus on one area, we could really make a difference. And so God put Haiti on our hearts a few years ago. And we've been sending teams and doing a village partnership through World Hope International. And you guys have adopted about every child in that village, helping them have an education and investing in them. And we take teams down every so often down there. We've been trying to take a team down there for the last two years. But unrest has broken out and that country is in turmoil and crazy things are happening till we can't even get in the country. And it's been really tempting just to abandon that and go somewhere we can go. But God keeps reminding us that this is where God has called us to serve and to meet needs. All these are platforms that you and I are given to be the church. Like we're trying to give you a platform, serve the city, serve your neighbors, dollar club, serve the people around you, investing in church planning to make sure that gospel is spread in other places in the state, opportunities to adopt children and invest in Haiti. Why? Because Jesus has called us to take his word and his grace and his mercy. We are the God-ordained vehicle to make him known everywhere. But for this to really happen, you and I got to do three things. If we're really going to leverage the platforms that God has given us to change the world, we got to do three things. Number one is this. It requires stewardship. It requires stewardship. Oh, preacher about to talk about money. Yep. Here's the reality. Look at me. If we don't give, it doesn't grow. If we didn't give, if, we, if, if God's people don't give, this thing doesn't grow. It's been that way from the beginning. If we don't give, this thing doesn't grow. And I want you to look at how radically the early church gave and remember how radically it grew. Look at Acts chapter 2, verse 45. They sold property and possessions and gave to anyone who had need. That means on Dollar Club Sunday, if they realized they didn't have a dollar, they posted something on Facebook and they sold it and then they brought their dollar to church. Okay. <laughs> like it says that really, like when, when they, somebody had a need and they didn't have what was necessary to meet it, they got creative in ways that they could figure out in order to meet that need. They didn't use I don't have as an excuse because they knew they were called. Acts chapter 4, verse 32. All the believers were one in heart and mind, and no one claimed that any of their possessions was their own, but they shared everything they had. And with great power, the apostles continued to testify to the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And God's grace was so powerfully at work in them that there were no needy persons among them. Like there was a point in the history of the church. And this wasn't like some hundred people. These were thousands of people that the church was so generous and so aware of their own stewardship that they had a moment in the church where there were all the people's needs were met. Why? Because for time to time, those who own land or houses sold them and brought the money from the, from, from the sales and put it at the apostles' feet, and it was distributed to anyone who had need. 
And I'm saying, am I saying that's what I expect you to do? Only if the Lord Jesus calls you. But what I'm saying is, do you see the spirit of generosity? The sacrificial generosity that they all owned in order to make sure that the mission of God was done. Third thing is this, ownership. Or excuse me, second thing is this, partnership. It starts with our stewardship, our willingness to give so it can grow. But then it's also about our partnership, realizing that, you know what, together, collectively, we can do more than we could individually. That, that the body, when we work together, when we function together, when we function as one, when we, when we all say, you know what, I'm going to buy into that, I'm going to believe in that, I'm going to trust that, I'm going to watch God work through that. Like when we partner to get together, we could do more than we could individually. When we partner with other churches, reminding you that, you know what, all of us are on the same team. Peter would remind us that we are a chosen people, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, God's special possession, that you may declare the praises of him who called you out of the darkness into his wonderful light. Once you were not a people, but you are the people of God. Once you had not received mercy, but now you have received mercy, that we are called to do this together. Third and final thing is this, it's ownership. Stewardship, partnership, and ownership. Like, you do realize that spreading the gospel and meeting the needs of the community is something that we are called to do and you are called to do. Like, you got to own this. Like, a church will only accomplish its mission as many people within it decide to own it. Like, the reason why so many churches aren't doing anything because only about half the congregation has taken ownership of it. When we all own it, and we all personally own it together, amazing things can happen. But you also have to take ownership for the way God wants to use you and the platforms he's given you outside of this place. See, mission is not a calendared event. Mission is not something you wait for us to tell you when to do. you got to take ownership. You know where you're on mission? Everywhere you place your foot is your mission field. So when you step foot in Walmart, it's your mission field. When you step foot in the office, it's your mission field. When you step foot in that school, it's your mission field. When you step foot in your uncle's house, that's your mission field. Everywhere you place your foot is the place for you to live out the mission that God has put before you. And there's somebody that God has brought into the circumference of your influence, and it's your job to bring them to faith in Christ. It's funny. I have people come to me all the time. Uh, Pastor Matt, will you, will you come talk to uh, my uncle? He doesn't know Jesus. Matt, will you come, will, will, would you uh, call my coworker? He doesn't know Jesus. Would you? And you know what I always say? You want me to come talk to him? Yeah. Have you talked to him? Well, I'm afraid they're going to ask me a question I don't know. So am I. You will never know all there is to know about God. But you are an expert in everything he's done for you. Start there. Start there. Because there are people out there that maybe they'll never step foot in here and give us the opportunity to minister to them. But God's given you a platform through that relationship 
And I just want to finish with this. 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 16. So from now on, we regard no one from a worldly point of view. Though we once regarded Christ in this way, we do so no longer. Therefore, if anyone is in Christ, the new creation has come. The old has gone. The new is here. Also, this is from God who reconciled himself, reconciled us to himself through Christ and gave us gave us the ministry of reconciliation, that God was reconciling the world to himself in Christ, not counting people's sins against them. And he has committed to us the message of reconciliation. We are therefore Christ's ambassadors. As though God were making his appeal through us, we implore you on Christ's behalf, be reconciled to God. In just a moment, you're going to walk out of this building and you're going to walk in to the mission field that God has uniquely designed for you to live in. We try to create a platform through all these different things corporately, but the corporate platform that we give you is not enough. There's an individual one that God has assigned you. So you bow your heads and close your eyes with me. If you're going to live on mission, one of the things I think that, that keeps us from living on mission is this. We're, it's uncomfortable and it's messy because we're going to have to talk to people who know all of our stuff. And all. But if you don't embrace the mess, you'll never accomplish the mission. So this is what I want you to pray. This is how I want to see when, when we live out this stuff, when we engage all the things that we're talking about, God's kingdom begins to be unleashed on this planet. And heaven comes and the world gets changed. The world doesn't get changed because of what happens in here. But when what happens in here bleeds out there, when what God is doing in you begins to well up so much, it spills out of you, when you begin to grow in your faith in such a way that Jesus is not just in you and for you, but becomes through you to the people that you encounter, we can change the world. What if every person associated with Venice Church committed to leading just one person to faith in Christ? over the next year or 10 years or five years, just think about the kingdom impact that would have. So would you do something for me right now? Would you just pray, God, put somebody's face in my mind, the face of somebody whose need I'm supposed to meet, who I'm supposed to have a spiritual conversation with, who I am assigned to lead to Jesus and let heaven come through me. Father, I pray that right now, in this moment, that we would not be worried about getting our kids, we'd not be worried about getting to lunch, but we would just be worried about you taking the seed that is now put in us before the enemy can snatch it away and letting it take root in us, God. And I pray that you would make it so clear the steps of action. Maybe there's people in this room that they need to answer the call of stewardship. They need to answer the call of partnership. They need to answer the call of ownership and live out the mission that you've gave all of us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thanks for listening to the Vintage Church Podcast. To stay connected with what's happening at Vintage, download the Vintage Church app to access sermon notes, events, devotionals, previous podcasts, and discover ways to get connected in community. We hope you join us again soon.